striving to, to direct people back to Jesus. It's, it's why we take the life of Jesus as our pattern for living. And as such, we, we strive and we're not perfect because uh, we're not perfect individuals. So we do this imperfectly, but we still strive to uh, prioritize being together. We, we strive to uh, hear and respond to the word of God with an emphasis in prayer and to be a tangible presence of grace in our communities and in our world. Hey, SJ, how you doing? <laughs> This is great. <laughs> and we chase kids around the auditorium on Sunday morning. That's fantastic. He's two, right? And he just had a new baby brother, so he really wants attention right now. So there you go. Oh my goodness. Hey, uh, this morning, uh, I'm excited as we get ready to kick off a, a new series today. It's our new series, Empty to Filled. Uh, during this season of Lent, uh, as we anticipate celebrating the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday morning, uh, we're striving to engage in this season of Lent, not simply to practice self-denial or, or rituals, uh, but to make an effort to be emptied of uh, the things that the world throws our way, those distractions and illusions, and, and to get rid of those things in order to focus on the love of Jesus so we can be filled with a richer and stronger faith. Uh, we do that because we realize that, that we have opportunities to grow as individuals and as a community of believers to grow in our faith and our relationship with God and with each other. And so we're striving to do that. Uh, to help us do that today, I invite you to grab your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 3. Uh, Romans chapter three, uh, grab your app uh, on your, your device or wherever you need to go. If you don't have a Bible, you can find Romans chapter three uh, in the blue Bible in front of you on or around page 797. I invite you to put the text in your hands so that you can become familiar with it. Also grab your sermon notes in case there's something that strikes you and you decide to write that down. Uh, for many of, of us here this morning, the season of Lent may be something with which you are very familiar. It's something that, that you're used to in your you know, faith tradition and you participate in it every year. Or maybe you're new to the faith and when the church mentions that they're observing Lent, you wonder why the stuff that you pull out of your dryer has anything to do with faith or God, right? And so maybe you're in between one of those two extremes, maybe, and you're, you're kind of like me. That's where I feel like I am. There's, there's this part of me that, that I'm familiar with the observation of Lent and, and what it means, but there's so much more that I feel like I could learn, and so I try to do that each and every year as we go through it. So without getting too technical, what is this season of Lent all about? Well, Lent has been observed by the big C, you know, kind of universal church as a time of solemn observance and preparation for the celebration of the death and subsequent resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. It's a traditional time of fasting or giving something up. Uh, Lent invites us to make our minds and our hearts ready for remembering Jesus's life and death, but specifically focused on the resurrection. Uh, traditionally, in the Catholic Church, Lent is a time where every person 14 years old or older is instructed to abstain from meat on Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, and all Fridays in Lent. And those between the ages of 18 and 59 are instructed to fast on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Growing up, uh, I used to think that Lent was something that other people did, right? This was just something that was for, for others. I, I saw it, and maybe it's because of the way I was taught or just you know, my own thing, but that it was unnecessary and it was just a ritual. However, over the last 10, 15 years or so, I, I've discovered how impactful this season 
can really be. No longer do I see it as just a time where you give something up in order to prove to yourself or to prove to God or to prove to others that you're not addicted to that which you're willing to give up or you're, you know, you're trying to be a, a good person or you are holy and that you do love God, right? It's, it's no longer those things. Instead, I see it as an opportunity where we can be emptied of the things of life and I can be emptied of self those things which I've allowed to distract me from what God wants to fill me with, from his love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. You see, one of the things that Lent is not, it's not something we do in order to become a better Christian, right? As if that is the point or even possible. We, we give up things, we decide to fast from things for the season of Lent, and, and as we do so, we discover that our attachment to the superficial or material things, it reveals to us that those things never really can bring us satisfaction. They can't bring us contentment, they can't bring us peace, those things don't bring us joy. Lent is a time where it can be revealed to us that Those things with which we fill ourselves, they undoubtedly and inevitably leave us empty because what we desire is to be truly filled. I tried to come up with a a good visual illustration and so that's what you see before me here and I'll I'll try to explain this. I, I know that there's lots of holes in the illustration I'm about to use, right? It's probably a better one, but this was the one my peanut-sized brain could come up with, right? So bear with me, and hopefully this will all make sense. Um, the idea is this. We fill our lives with all kinds of different things, right? We fill our lives with all kinds of good things. For instance, people have been guessing at what is in here. This is actually coffee, right? So we fill our lives. If this you know, cup, glass, represents our life, our vessel, we we fill it with things in life, we fill it with good things, coffee. I really like coffee, right? And so we fill our lives with things, and it could be any number of things, and we realize that it truly doesn't satisfy us, we still want something more, there's this longing, and so we go to God and we ask God, would you fill us? And God's like, well, sure, but there's no room, right? And so what has to happen? Well, metaphorically, we we have to say, okay, God, would you take what is in my life, the things that I filled it with, and would you empty it in order to be filled with God, to be filled with the things that God wants us to have, the things God wants in our life, to be filled with him. Does that make sense? What is it? that's in our life. It doesn't have to be bad, right? Coffee's good. Agree? Yeah, right? Amen. I finally get an amen on coffee. Yeah, brother. All right. But what it really takes in this process is for us to go to God and ask God to reveal to us what are those things in our life that we need to empty of ourselves so that we can be filled and filled with him. And this is what we see Paul kind of addressing here in this letter to the church in Rome. Paul is sharing how the believers in in God, how how God is righteous and he is faithful and how his actions and they're all good and and how our actions and all the things that we give up or all the things that we take on and for us to to look at those those things through the season of Lent, we realize that none of these things that we do stop doing 
can make us righteous. Look at what uh, Paul writes in Romans chapter three, beginning in verse nine. He says, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Well, not at all. For all have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Anybody feeling really encouraged at this point? Right? I mean, you read through this and it just isn't very encouraging. It reminded me when I read through it this past week of the very old, even before HD was a thing, the vintage21.com Jesus videos. And if you want a good laugh, you can look these up. There's three or four of them. Jesus is, it's just funny, all right? Just trust me on this. But in this scene, he's calling all of the believers and his followers uh, to him, and he's talking to them. And what he says to them is, you are all sinners. There is no hope. That's it. And that's the end, right? That's, that's the point of that video. And you're just like, what? That's not who we think of when we think of Jesus. But that's kind of what Paul is saying in this text, Right? When we really begin to study and dive into the text, one of the things we see that Paul is establishing is that on our own, by our own merits and by our own efforts and by our own accomplishments, we cannot uphold the law. Regardless of how good we are, no matter how good we strive to be, on our own, we fall short. The law condemns us. The idea is that the more we strive to keep or maintain or not break the law of God, the better we try to be on our own, the more aware of sin we actually become. By quoting a variety of the Psalms, Paul is emphasizing how it is often in these difficult times of life that we become most aware of the faults and the shortcomings of others and the world around us and also more aware of the sin in our own life as well. The law reminds us that all of us not only fall short in all of the the forms of righteousness, but we're also incapable of saving ourselves. For some of us uh, here today, we may be all too aware of the fact that we cannot save ourselves. We're we're very aware of the fact that we fall short, uh, that we've messed up, and, and often the result of that is guilt and shame that we carry around with us. So much so that that I've talked to people who tell me that they just don't think they can be saved, that they've gone too far, they've done too much. One guy told me, you know, I'd love to come to your church, seem like a nice guy, nice people, but I don't want to get struck by lightning. And he was joking, but he was serious. He really has this deep-seated belief that, that he just is beyond saving. The idea is something that we either carry with us or other people are pointing out to us, this this idea that that we're beyond what God can offer to us. 
It's interesting how, how sometimes it seems to be obvious, right? When, when some people have drifted away from God, I hear testimonies of people who've shared that there was a, a time or a season in their life when going to church and following God and, and you know, I always hear, you know, being a good Christian person, it was not what they were doing. They never stopped believing in God or having faith. They just weren't acting on those things. Often this time or season we refer to as a rebellion against God. They knew God was there, but God was not a priority in their lives. And, and while that type of rebellion against God may be obvious for some, right? For other people, the, the lack of ability to save themselves and, and the rebellion that results in that, it may not be quite as obvious. It, it's what can be described as a rebellion of obedience, it's a different type of rebellion, but it's still a rebellion against God. But instead of rebelling against God you know, wholeheartedly, we rebel against God and his grace. It manifests itself when we believe that, that we can be good enough that we don't need God's grace, that we can follow the rules, we can observe the rituals, we can engage in the spiritual practices, things like Lent. We can do things well enough that while grace is available to us, Grace isn't necessary because I'm just, I got this, right? Because after all, if, if you're walking and you're going well with God and you're living the life God's called you to live and you're obeying the rules, and, and why would God have to waste his grace on you? Save that grace for the real sinners, the people that really need it, right? One author put it this way, you are so good at being good, that is your rebellion. That's your separation from God. Think about the story of the prodigal son, right? The younger brother, the younger of the two sons, he openly rebelled against his father. He, he took all of his inheritance and he went and he wasted it away and, and it was just gone. And upon his return, what happened? Well, we see the older brother, the older son, he rebelled as well. He refused to go into the party because why? He'd been the good one. He'd always been around. He's always followed the rules and yet, he rebelled as well. Both of them rebelled, and so have we. It doesn't matter if you've openly rebelled against God or if you've subtly rebelled against God or somewhere in between. We've all rebelled, and, and the question then remains the same. What do we do? Because of our rebellion, what do we do? The answer to that is one of the things observing Lent can do in our lives we can follow God and we can allow ourselves to be emptied so that we can be filled with Jesus because in Jesus, we have hope. In Jesus, we are reminded time and time again of the message of grace, of love, of hope, of forgiveness that's only available in him. We're reminded that Jesus was, he came to this earth born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. He, he revealed to us who God is. He demonstrated God's love for us how Jesus willingly went to the cross and then because of his love, God raised him back to life. And it's what we look forward to celebrating on Easter Sunday morning, the resurrection, that, that new life of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and the new life we can have in him as well. So between now and Easter, we have the opportunity to engage in this season of Lent, to be emptied of self in order to be filled with Christ. One of the, the things that's been true for me, and I've seen it in the lives of other people as well, is that while we observe a fast or, or we take on something new, a new discipline during Lent, sometimes we do it for the wrong motivation. 
Think about the things that we typically give up for Lent. So I invite you, think about, you don't have to respond, but just think about what are the things that you have given up for Lent this year or you've given up in years past? And, and what are the things that, that friends of yours have given up in years past or maybe they're giving up this year? Just think about that quick list for a moment. Got it? Here's the list according to the Washington Post that people typically give up for Lent. Chocolate, don't raise your hand. Social media, swearing, alcohol, coffee, soda, and chips. And when you think about it, that's kind of an interesting list, isn't it? Because while I wouldn't say that it's bad or wrong to give up any of these things for a brief or extended period of time, I think it might be wise to ask this question. How does giving up these things for Lent accomplish what it is Lent is intended to accomplish? Remember why we engage in the season of Lent, right? To help us prepare for the celebration of the death and the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. And I wonder, in my life, in your life, in our lives, how does giving up these things actually help us do that? Could it be that giving up dessert has a lot less to do with drawing closer to God and more to do with us having a reason to shed a few pounds? When we give up social media, is it so that we can focus on Christ? It is just so we don't have to worry about what everyone else is doing and we can stop trying to run on that treadmill to keep up with everyone. When we give up something that is a distraction or, or we remove a various obstacle or we change our daily routine, is that to help us focus on celebrating Jesus? Or is that just to help us increase our productivity? In a variety of articles, including some from U.S. News, Re Recruitment Solutions, The Sun Magazine, and L.A. Times, it, it reports that Lent is most often practiced or observed, not by those who primarily desire to draw closer to God, to grow in their faith, or improve their religious standing, which I'm not sure exactly what that is, but that's what the article said, right? But instead, the motivation is more self-centric. Their motivation is really to be healthier, healthier physically or emotionally, to accomplish more at work, to save money, or to engage in self-improvement. One article I read said that Lent is like a 40-day do-over for those who failed to keep their New Year's resolutions. <laughs> but church, I just want to encourage you. If you're giving up chocolate or social media or coffee or soda and you hope to lose some weight and be healthier and feel better about yourself, become more productive, that's not bad. That's not wrong. Do it, right? But there is so much more that can be available to you. As we observe and engage and participate in Lent and in the greater purposes of Lent, we... We have the opportunity to, to take advantage of those opportunities, to be emptied of self, to be filled with those things that, that truly do help us grow in our faith and in our relationship with God and to help us focus on him. It's an opportunity to be emptied of our comforts and emptied of that which is familiar in order to be filled with that which truly satisfies, to be filled with Christ. One way that, that people often you know, talk about doing this uh, are referred to as spiritual disciplines, right? Uh, throughout the years, there have been numerous resources like Blackaby's Experiencing God and Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline, Dallas Willard's The Spirit of Disciplines, Gordon McDonald's Order in Your Private World, The Cost of Discipleship by Bonhoeffer, and many others, right? There's so many resources out there that describe not only what the spiritual disciplines are, 
but there's significant impact that they can have in our lives as we experience them, as we engage in them, especially during a focused season like Lent. That's one of the things I like about the the book, The 40 Days of Decrease, that they're going through in uh, the discipleship class, is that each day we're encouraged to decrease something, whether that's isolation or food or comparison or criticism or praise, and we decrease those things intentionally so that we can be filled with the wonder and the awe and anticipation of Christ's resurrection, to ask God to soften our hearts so we can be filled by God with God and what he wants in our life. It wasn't uh, that many years ago that I was challenged to consider not only that which I would give up for Lent, but that which I would take on, take on these spiritual disciplines to uh, things like meditation and prayer and solitude and service and worship and celebration. What does it look like to, to add one of those things into your life? You see, one of the beautiful things about this season of Lent and the opportunities to be emptied of self in order to be filled with God is that it doesn't look the same and it doesn't have to look the same for you as it does for me or for someone else. What may prove beneficial for you may not have an impact on me and it may or may not have an impact on someone else. What's significant for someone else may not have value for you. We're all different and God is speaking to us in different ways. Maybe for you, there's, there's different things in your life, and maybe God is saying, you know what, your life is full of anger. And for you, you need to empty yourself of anger so as to be filled with God. Or maybe for you, what's in your life is criticism. You're really good at telling people what they do wrong. And maybe God is saying, hey, let's get rid of that and let me fill you with words instead of criticism, but words of encouragement. Or or maybe for you, one of the things that that you do, uh, maybe you're like me in this, that it's uh, really easy to avoid what's going on. Something's hard, you just kind of want to avoid it. And maybe God's saying, hey, let's get rid of that avoidance and let's fill that with action the action that that I want you to take, and God can fill you with himself in that way. It's gonna run off the table, it's fine. Maybe for you, it's it's apathy. One of the things I, I tell my kids is I can teach you a lot, but I can't teach you to care. Maybe you just, haven't softened your heart, haven't asked God to soften your heart, and he's saying, I, I wanna remove that from you. I wanna remove your spirit of apathy, and I wanna fill you with love. And we allow God to fill us with his love. Or maybe for you, uh, one of the things may be that you're just rigid. You like things the way you like things, and that's the way things ought to be. And, And God is saying, you know what? Let's remove that from your life. Let's remove that rigidity and 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 let's practice patience. Let's practice endurance. Let me fill you with that in your life. What is it for you? that needs to be removed so as to be filled. I can't answer that for you. That's something that that only you can truly answer and you can go to God and ask God to reveal that to you because it is something personal and it has 
the potential to profoundly impact not only you, but us as a community of believers as well, because as you practice more peace and, and more love and, and more encouragement, guess who benefits? Yes, you, but all of us as well. There's something else that's important to note in this. This is something you cannot do. You cannot accomplish on your own. It's not something I can do for you either. You need God, I need God, we need God to do this for us. Through Christ and and the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to reveal that which is in us that needs to be emptied so that we can be filled with him. To be filled of his love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. Only God can do that. In this Romans passage, Paul is showing us that observing the law, it cannot save us. In fact, observing the law reveals to us how much we need to be saved by God. That's the point of the law, right? The same is true of those disciplines and the habits, the things that we give up or the things that we take on during Lent. They don't make us righteous. We don't really get to pat ourselves on the back because we gave up chocolate for 40 days, right? They reveal where our lives are full of the things with which we need to be emptied so that God can fill us with that which he desires for us to be filled. It is my desire that that you are filled with Christ, that each and every one of us here and the people that we encounter can be filled to overflowing with the love, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness of Jesus because that's what he desires to put in us. And specifically for you, what is God revealing that needs to be removed so that he can fill you with more of him. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. God, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I can't save myself, that it's not up to me. I'm thankful that you have provided a way for me, for us to walk in a relationship with you through your son, Jesus. God, I, I thank you that your desire is to fill us with more of you, to know you, to be still, and and to know that, that you are God. Father, help us as we engage in this season to focus in on you, to prepare our hearts and our minds and our lives to celebrate you, to celebrate your victory over death and the life that we have in you. God, I do pray that we would empty ourselves of what we can But Father, more importantly, that we would allow ourselves to be emptied of self by you and that you would fill us. We thank you, Father. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.